invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 6 for the reading of God's Word. I'll be reading verse 1 to verse 13. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 57. Just a reminder that next Sunday will be Palm Sunday, and uh, our little children will be singing for us before the service, and we'll have a Palm Sunday sermon, and then the following Sunday, of course, will be Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. So we'll take a few weeks off after today. Exodus chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, let us now hear God's word. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his hand, out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I, will, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God." Who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians? I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Thus far the reading of God's holy word made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, after the first attempt... When Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh to say, let my people go, Pharaoh rejected Moses and essentially rejected the Lord God and the word of the Lord. Pharaoh then then inflicted harsher, crueler punishment upon the Israelites, laying upon them heavier burdens, and consequently, the people of Israel soon then forgot what the Lord had promised to them, that he would deliver them. You may recall that Moses and Aaron, before they approached Pharaoh, went to the people and told them exactly what God would do, and they believed Moses and Aaron. But now, after the fact, after Moses rejected them and imposed these harsher punishments, what happened? They didn't listen or believe Moses. They forgot the word of deliverance from the Lord. 
Moses then questions the Lord. In our text, the Lord responds to Moses, but God doesn't answer his concerns or questions. We read in verse 1, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. Moses, you will see my judgment upon Pharaoh. You will see it. It is coming. It is coming soon. In fact, it has now arrived. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Of course, he's referring to the plagues, the the judgments of God upon Pharaoh and Egypt. Moses, you will see with my strong hand that I will execute my judgments upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. This idea of strong hand is a figure of speech, an anthropomorphism. Long word, tongue twister. Attributing to God human features. God doesn't have a hand, he is spirit. But what is being communicated here? That God's hand reaches down. I love the imagery. Reaches down and he will save. He will deliver his people. He will cause the king of Egypt to then drive out Israel from his land. Some of you were construction. Some of you are concrete guys. I've shaken some of your hands, and they're giant hands. They, they, if, you would, if you wanted to, you can crush my small little puny hand. I have this, this picture of what it's like to, to, to just reach down. Somebody in quicksand or somebody falling from a building and someone just coming and grasping with that big, strong hand and pulling you up like it's nobody's business. The strong hand of God reaches down and he will deliver his people. You think of a firefighter going on top of a fiery building and the person's about to, uh, hanging from the ledge, about to perish in the fire. And here comes Jesus, snatching you out of the fires of hell. Now we're getting personal here. Now we're getting to the depth of it. The strong hand of God is at work. He will do what he accomplishes. And so we see firstly in our text in verses 1 through 5 that by his strong hand, God Almighty will reveal his name. By his strong hand, God Almighty will reveal his name. What, what does that mean? Well, if you look at verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them, that is the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan, the land which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Names are important in the Bible. 
Because they describe a, what a person is going to do. It describes a person's character. For example, you will call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Joshua, the Hebrew name. Jesus, the New Testament Greek name, means the Lord saves. And Jesus shows in his person and work that indeed he is Savior. So names are significant in the Bible. They communicate to us, especially the names of God, communicate to us the character of God and his works. What he is going to do among the people and in this world. And we see here that God revealed to the patriarchs as El Shaddai, as God Almighty. El Shaddai reveals God's power to fulfill his purposes. Some translators rightly argue that El Shaddai or God Almighty can be translated this way, God the overpowerer. The one who overpowers all things that seek to thwart his plan and purposes. In Genesis, it's used frequently. In Genesis chapter 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. He calls himself the possessor of heaven and earth. I am God Almighty, possessor of heaven and earth. Genesis 28, Isaac said to Jacob, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. The book of Job, which is historically somewhere between Genesis chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 12, uses the name of God, God Almighty, El Shaddai, almost 20 times. And so the patriarchs called upon God Almighty and asked for his blessing, believing that he's the all-sufficient one who will meet their needs. He has the power to meet their needs. He has the power to overcome our weaknesses. He has the power to make us fruitful, to give blessing. He is God Almighty. I believe in God the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You believe in the one that who is all-powerful, that he overpowers any and all opposition that threatens to thwart his plan. But notice here, God appeared to the patriarchs as El Shaddai or God Almighty, and yet our text says, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. By my name, Yahweh. Or as often said, Adonai. By the Lord. In our Bibles, it's Lord with all capital letters. That indicates to us that this name of God is being used. Yahweh, I am. But this name was used by the patriarchs. It was used in Genesis. 162 times this name is used in Genesis. Of the 162 times, it's used 34 times by a speaker himself. 
So what is God saying here? That he has not made himself known as the Lord or Yahweh. Again, it goes back to what I said about what a name means. It's one thing to know a person's name. But it's another thing to know the person. And the characteristics behind a person's name. So God revealed himself as God Almighty to the patriarchs. And he showed himself to be God Almighty. But he has not shown himself to be Yahweh. Because he has not yet fulfilled that which was promised to the patriarchs. The name Yahweh was used in the days of the patriarchs, but the attribute or characteristic of God behind the name Lord was not fully realized until the Exodus, where they can say, oh, now we know he is Lord because of what he just accomplished. Think of the name Jesus, again, to use his name. There were many people named Jesus in the days of Jesus. But what makes his name, his person, more significant than other, any other person whose name is Jesus? Because Jesus, behind that name, is what? The death and resurrection of the Christ. Behind the name Jesus is what? The one who with a strong hand came down and plucked you from hell itself. And saved you from your sin. You see the difference? It's one thing to know a name. It's another thing to know what's behind the name. And what's actually accomplished by the person with that name. And so the Israelites are going to know. God's going to reveal himself as Lord by his works that he's about to accomplish. And he will reveal his name by his strong hand. Secondly, the Lord will save his people. By his strong hand, the Lord will save his people. And this saving consists of three things. Redemption, adoption, and possession of an inheritance. That encompasses salvation, God's salvation. Now this is really important here. Despite the groanings of the Israelites. Despite the Israelites not listening to Moses and Aaron and essentially not listening to the Lord himself, God will save them regardless. Friends, this is grace right here. If you want to write in your Bible here, grace. Grace. God will send them because he is the true Lord. He is true to his word, unchanging in his nature and in his ways. In verses 6 to 8, how many times do you hear the phrase, I will, I will, I will? Look with me in your Bible. Verse 6. Therefore, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. 
I'm going to reveal my name to them when I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, when I will deliver you from slavery to them, when I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, when I will take you to be my people, when I will be your God. I will, I will, I will. But interestingly, in the Hebrew text, the tense of the verb is in the perfect. What does that mean? It means that the Lord's speaking here as if it's a completed action. I have brought you out. I have delivered you. I have redeemed you. But why is it in the future? Well, in the Hebrew text, they put it in the passive, but can be translated in the future. And it's teaching us this point. What God is saying here is as good as done. What God is saying here is as good as done. Let's say you ask somebody to do a job for you. You say, hey, can you come over and paint my office or something? I need, I need some work done on my house. And the person says to you, done. Done. It's done. I got it. Now, obviously, it's not done, but what is the person saying? That it's as good as done. It's going to be accomplished. It is certain that these things will take place. That's what God's saying to his people here. The future promise of salvation is as if it has already been accomplished. It's done. And what does salvation of God by his strong hand consist of? I said, redemption, adoption, and possession of an inheritance. Look at me at verse 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver deliver you. I will rescue you from slavery to them, and I I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will come down and save you from your plight. I will come down and save you. Redeem you. Adoption. Look at me at verse 7. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. On the one hand, God calls Israel his son, calls Israel his people. However, they do not officially become a nation or a people until God rescues them and delivers them from Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 19, the Lord called Moses to the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. The people of Israel will be saved in order to be a people. They will be a family of God, a kingdom, a nation. 
He not only saves them from the burden of the Egyptians, Jesus not only saves us from the burden and guilt of sin, but we are saved to become adopted sons and daughters of God, to be part of his family, be part of his family by grace, by his outstretched arm, that is by his mercy. Not only he's going to redeem them and adopt them, he's going to give them the possession of an inheritance. Verse 8, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give to you for a possession. I am the Lord. They will be redeemed, adopted, and now possessors of an inheritance. God will do this and show himself to be Lord, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God who by his strong hand will save his people. He will save his church by his grace and mercy. God alone does this. God alone saves by redeeming, adopting, and giving us, giving the Israelites possession of a land that was promised to them by God Almighty in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and in Genesis 17. Thirdly, The Lord directs his servant to speak his word. God gives his promises. These things will happen. They are as good as done. And now he tells Moses, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. This broken spirit literally is they are out of breath. They are so burdened that they are out of breath. It has a better connotation than maybe broken spirits. And to give you an idea of what is going on here, think of a child, a child who is weeping and, and crying. And just, you, you ever see a, crowd, a child just cry ecstatically? And what happens when the child, after a while, it tries to catch its, his, his or her breath? Like it's, <gasps> that, that's the idea of, go, of what's going on here. They're trying to catch their breath because they're out of breath. Their burden is so hard on them that they can't breathe. Or dad, when a bunch of kids jump on you, when you're wrestling with your kids and they're on you and you're like, I can't breathe now, you're gasping for air. It's the internal and external pressure that's upon you and you can't breathe. And when that happens in life, When those internal and external pressures are so heavy that you can't breathe, you easily forget. You forget God. We don't listen. And that's what happened to the Israelites. But the Lord directs his servant Moses, speak the word. Speak the word. Like maybe a pastor in a church where his word falls maybe on deaf ears. Preach the word. In season and out of season, preach the word. I will do my work. I will build my church, says Jesus. You preach the word. The people are groaning because they have a broken spirit and harsh slavery. 
They're gasping for air. They lacked faith and turned their eyes away from the Lord and his promises. And Moses says, why, O Lord, would they listen to me again? I am unskilled. I have uncircumcised lips. There are many figurative ways of using uncircumcised. Here, unskilled. I am incapable. You've seen what happened in Pharaoh's court. You've seen what happened with the people. This isn't going well for anyone. It's not going well for anyone. Don't, don't send me again. Preach. Speak the word, Moses and Aaron. You do what I command you, and you will see by my hand what I will do. And so God directs his servants to stay the course, because no one will overpower the Lord and thwart his will or purposes. He will show himself to be covenant-keeping God, thereby attaching his works with his name, Lord or Yahweh. Congregation of Christ, I want to draw our attention to our Lord Jesus and how he saves his people and how in saving his people, how he indeed redeems. By his blood, we are adopted. By his grace, we receive an eternal inheritance, a possession You see, all of the promises of God in the Old Testament are yes and amen in Jesus. By his strong hand, Jesus brought us out of the bondage and slavery to sin and death. He brought us into a life with God. Jesus delivered or rescued us from the domain and dungeon of darkness and transferred us into a kingdom of light, the kingdom of Christ. Jesus redeemed us at a cost, the cost of his precious blood so that we would be reconciled to the Father and brought into the family of God. And having been adopted into God's family, we are called sons of the Most High. Friends, the New Testament parallels to our text in Exodus are profound and deep when interpreted and understood in light of the coming of Christ and what he accomplished. I want to bring a couple passages to our attention. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. The four living creatures and the elders are before the throne, and they're asking, who can open the seals or scrolls? Who is worthy to open the scrolls? And they sing a new song, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. Jesus was slain, and by your blood you ransomed for yourself a people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? You have their redemption. You have their adoption. You have their possession. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and blameless before him. I am God Almighty. Be holy and blameless, he told Abraham. Sound familiar? Continuing on. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through who? Through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So you have their redemption, you have their adoption, and now look what we have next, possession. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Jesus Christ is the one who fulfills all the law and the prophets, fulfills the coming of the great prophets that Moses spoke about. He is the one who came to redeem, adopt, and to give possession of an inheritance and secure that possession for us. And how do you know that? How do you know that? The spirit of the living God who lives in you, who is the guarantee who is the down payment of that inheritance and who enables and empowers you, Christian, to say, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Jesus is the fulfillment of the true redemption and inheritance that shall never perish nor fade away because he is the righteous one. Israel failed they didn't obey God's command. And so God's son, God's one and only son, eternal son, the Lord Jesus Christ, had to come and be the true Israelite. Be the true son of God for man. So that we would be made sons and daughters of the Most High. How vast the benefits divine which we in Christ possess. We are redeemed from sin and shame and called to holiness. This not for works that we have done, these all to him we owe. But he of his electing love, salvation doth bestow. Safe in the arms of sovereign love we ever shall remain. Nor shall the rage of earth or hell make thy sure counsel vain. Because he's God Almighty. Not one of all the chosen race but shall to heaven attain. Here they will share abounding grace and there with Jesus Rain. Jesus, by his strong hand, came down and plucked you from sin, death, and hell. 
how vast the benefits divine that we in Christ now possess because of his saving grace and mercy towards us. Amen. Father in heaven, we draw near to you because you have first visited us and drawn near to us through Christ, your Son and our Savior. Oh Lord God, we thank you that your mercy and grace is full and free in the Beloved. And we now possess all of the blessed benefits that he secured for us in his eternal redemption. And that we can cry out, Abba, Father, because we are adopted sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. And we hold fast and firm to the promise of that possession that awaits us in the heavenly places. A possession that has not been purchased or redeemed by gold or silver or by the works of man. But a possession that has been purchased by the work of one man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his precious blood shed for us at the cross of Calvary. Oh, Father, we praise your holy name. May your gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, instill in us a deeper faith, a fervent worship of you, and a holy desire to walk in the way of the Lord, in your word, to the glory and praise of your name. In Jesus' name we pray.